Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a podcast from The Bugle. The 21st century, mankind has colonised the last unexplored region on Earth, satire. As captain of the Gargle and its crew, we are its guardians, for beneath the surface lies the future. The glossy magazine to the Bugle's audio newspaper for a visual world. This is The Gargle. Your guests today on the podcast are the magnificent Charlie George. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And the excellent Finn Taylor. Welcome to the show for the first time. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm not stressed at all. (laughs) I'm so relaxed. Well, we're going to get into the the breaking news of today, everything but the politics. But first, our front cover today is the pink supermoon, heavily photoshopped for maximum sexiness. And the headline reads, unveil my sexy space secrets, 10 lunar diet tricks that really work. (laughs) The satirical cartoon this week is Oscars winners from all the major categories posing in a way that indicates what the Academy wanted to say about itself this year by choosing them. And uh, other headlines on the front cover, questions about the vaccine answered with the same answer. I'm not an epidemiologist and I don't need to pretend to know. (laughs) Also, inside this week's edition, the popular review site Rotten Tomatoes has dropped in rankings after Citizen Kane lost its 100% approval score, proving either that art is subjective, that people are savages with no taste, or that the internet can't be trusted. Fill out our online voting form to decide which. Now we open the magazine to our section number one, our first section, Animals with an Unnatural Vibe. And our first story is uh, is about digital horses. Once more, we thunder into the existential whirlpool that is cryptocurrency and what in a previous life we would have called second life with virtual horse racing. An Australian company has launched uh, called Zed Run. It's fake horses that you can buy for fake money that you buy with real money. Uh, Finn Taylor, you know horses. 
I assume. Uh, what's happening here? So what's happening here, Alice, is that I've been alive too long and this story made me want to, to die. People have got too much real money and are buy, using the real money to buy fake money and the fake money to buy fake horses to give them real emotions in their sad lives. This whole world, there's quite a lot of existential issues, as always happens when you, you know, you, you create a game like this. I remember the, you know, we used to play The Sims, if you're of my generation. And the eternal question of whether you should um, put them in the pool and delete the stairs. But what's <laughs> happened is that people are now questioning whether the horses should be able to die, whether there should be jockeys at all in the in the world. I personally, I mean, you don't even have to race the horses. You you just own a horse in this virtual world. So I would buy a horse and then just try and run down jockeys and f them with the horse, <laughs> be like a sort of rogue chaos agent you know, some kind of weird revenge, going, who's the rider now, you little Irish midget? Eh? That's what I'd do. But obviously I have, not, I have no money to play this game. That's the thing. It's, only for, it's only for the Saudis and the Russians, I imagine. Well, as with so many of these kind of Silicon Valley inventions, it's, it's a solution to a problem that only exists if you have a very particular set of uh, needs and skills, which is that the animated horse racing terminals found in some casinos and bars for, like horse racing tragics are apparently very stupid, according to uh, this guy, Zed Run Investor and spokesman <laughs> Rahul Sood. And so he says uh, that the thing is about these horses is that ownership changes the dynamic of pretending the horses are real. <laughs> I assume but, like they've just invented, like they've just invented My Little Ponies. Like they really have just invented a thing that six-year-old girls have been doing for decades. Oh, for me, it's more like the four horsemen of the apocalypse have gone digital. Like, it's very, like, it feels much darker than that. Like, I think one one of the horses sold for $125,000. Which, by the way, I think one of the guys that who is sounds very odd, the way that he... You don't know what a mint condition unboxed Twilight Sparkle goes for, Charlie. I'm just like, that's insane. But he referred to it as like hockey stick growth. And I was like, sorry, what? What, what are you talking about? Is that a term we're using now? Like what happened to the yardstick? Like, but it's apparently like it's a really growing industry of people buying these, yeah, concept ownership horses. Well, I mean, it raises the essential question of whether it is worse for the environment to shoot a horse that breaks its leg in a race it didn't need to run or whether it's more worse for the environment to uh, mint an NFT of a, a horse with a broken leg. I don't know. I don't know, but co-founder Chris Ebling talks about the invention with that sort of uh, mixture of utopian nonsense and moonshot self, self-congratulatory masturbation that is so iconic in Silicon Valley. He says, in my world, Zed is real. It exists on a parallel timeline to ours. It's quantum <laughs> physics. It isn't. It's 2050 on a planet called Nervous Earth. On this horse, on this earth, digital horse racing reigns supreme. It's been put in place to balance out wealth, which is... Such an astonishing claim. I find this quite triggering because I don't really... You wouldn't call him my brother-in-law because he's polyamorous and my sister-in-law is just is one of one of his... You know, he's Californian. <laughs> I love that disclaimer. He invented the Facebook like button and um, he's, he's one of these people. And uh, he speaks in this sort of mad, higher plane way. Wow, how um, does he justify it, Finn? Like, what's his st- logic for this, for, for, for like, incentivizing stuff in that way? Um, I, I would tell you, but he speaks in a language I don't understand. <laughs> um, he speaks in um, crypto English. 
<laughs> it's like oh, it's blockchain communication. And I can't, yeah. I cannot understand what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, you have to mint a non-fungible thesaurus in order to decrypt anything any of these people are saying. It's such a strange logic because one of the things I found funny is they're racing these horses, and they were saying that like factors like weather conditions and track location impact the results of the race, and I'm like, you control that. It's just code. Like, what are you talking about? Like, the weather's off, so we've had to call off the race. I'm like, this is next level stuff. That would be great to invest that much money, and then your first race you go. Sorry, we've um, we've coded the weather wrong, so it's uh, it's off. <laughs> It's too dangerous for the fake horses to race <laughs> on this fake turf. Also, surely, did they have a fake Cheltenham that was a super spreader event? Or is that too much like real news for this? I'm not sure if it counts world. as escapism if it's, if it's that real. In other animal news, uh, a latest and ongoing saga of Colin the Caterpillar, which is that uh, there's, a, there's a small fish and chip shop that is selling battered and fried Colin the Caterpillar cakes. What indignity will not the noble corpse of an imaginary caterpillar suffer next? Uh, the money, at least, made from these uh, battered treats will go to the Teenage Cancer Trust. But what teen could rest happily cancer-free knowing that this kind of animal experimentation had gone into their treatment or that this was the kind of world into which they'd grow into adulthood? Charlie George? I like that the justification behind the story was that they wanted to stand in solidarity with Aldi. A cause. I think like that's like the deeper level of it, as well as the Teenage <laughs> Cancer Trust, which is great. But it was also like they were very proud that they were standing in solidarity with Aldi. And I'm just like, what a cause. But yeah, it's their owner Dino said it's a bit of fun and a great way to raise money for charity and give everyone heart disease with a battered <laughs> cake. But I just think it's really insane. Like even the original fight for me is like, imagine thinking that you own the copyright of the shape of a caterpillar. Like surely people have been making shit caterpillar cakes for years at children's birthday parties up and down the country. Like, does it really matter if one's called Colin and one's called Cuthbert? And why is no one more upset that there isn't a Cassandra? Do you know what I mean? Like where's the, where's the lady version of the, of the cake? Well, also I just find the idea that you're siding with Aldi as the working man's representative over M&S because M&S sells more expensive, I mean, Aldi has more money than M&S. It's a bigger company. I don't know why you think that they represent the working man over M&S, in which actually they have quite good work practices and give their workers a share in what they do. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Like, I found that out on the internet in five seconds, you whimsical c**ts. Don't <laughs> pretend that you couldn't have looked that up. I was just surprised that the, the kind of town that would sell battered cakes had an M&S. <laughs> like... Where are they getting the cakes from? I think it must be going to a nicer town nearby <laughs> to buy the cakes to do this with. You're so right. And also, like, I love that you picked up on, like, the working class sort of front narrative, Alice, because, like, they actually did, um, like, they did, like, some Twitter stuff as a campaign around this battered um, cake situation. And the hashtag was hashtag snitches get battered. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, what? Like, that was just, like, co-opting this, like, really aggressive, violent language to sell your battered cake. Like, it's just so weird. And that story was sent in by Stefan Chilcott, or at Chilcott under dash Stefan on Twitter. But in other more hopeful uh, internet news, it looks like nature is healing itself. Beavers in Canada 
uh, eating the internet cables. Uh, Charlie, George, you know beavers. What's happening here? I do know beavers, and I know that they get all the blame, Alice. They do. The hairier the beaver, the bigger the blame. But these beavers are basically in Canada, and they're like the sort of national animal of Canada. I imagine them having like the accent and everything and saying a boot. Um, but yeah, they basically, um, because they're such sociable creatures, they're sick of everyone being on the Wi-Fi all the time, and they've decided to use their um, never never ending growing teeth to bite through these cables and 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 when I was looking at this article I looked up some beaver facts for fun because why not and I found out some amazing stuff pull out section pull out factoid box in our magazine Charlie George bringing you beaver facts yes so beavers naturally very sociable creatures when they're not beavering away of course beavers teeth never stop growing Um, their tails they use them to steer balance and warn others Uh, Beaver tail was actually a delicacy in Canada for a while. Um, They're very house proud, hospitable hosts, obviously terrible Wi-Fi, but other than that, very hospitable hosts. And this was my favourite, beaver dams both cause and prevent floods. Oh my God, I can really relate to this way of helping people out. Like, cause sometimes beavers are considered as environmental engineers because of what they do for the environment. Like they can be really good at like, um, eating things that are sort of overgrowing in areas. That's my contribution to the environment, mostly eating things. Eating things, but 50-50 chance that they will also ruin everything. And and beavers cause $100 million worth of damage every year, apparently, through stuff that they do that's really bad. So it's kind of like... They might help you, but they also might cost you really, really severe damage. That's basically their vibe. Uh, Finn Taylor, have you been following this story? Yep, and uh, not the first time the internet's dropped because of too many beavers. Am I right, lads? But um, (laughs) uh, you've got a bit of blue for the dads listening in. In their Japanese estate cars. I see you at the tip. But um, (laughs) what I find endlessly fascinating about Canadian news... I mean, it's just so shit, isn't it? Like, it's the, it's, the, it's the second largest country in the world, but the news that comes out of there would not make the like local news at a county level in this country. Hey, Marge, a beaver had been eating their internet again. Like, it's just so parochial and nothing. Yeah, it feels like they might secretly be like a fascist dystopia propagating disinformation of themselves as these sort of harmless creatures, because how can they be that big and that boring? No offence to our Canadian listeners out there. <laughs> Actually, I have a lot of sympathy for this. This happened in Australia with cockatoos eating our uh, fibre to the node cables oh. for our d- fast internet when we tried to put in fast internet and somehow that became political because you don't want people thinking too fast. You do think that it was a slow news week for that to be the biggest thing, but I am very grateful to them because now, next time I don't want to do an online gig, I think, can I blame the reintroduction of beavers for my internet outage? Because beavers, I've got one more fact, actually, it's really fun. Like they, they were nearly hunted to extinction, basically, um, for their fur meat and scent glands, which I think is really weird. It's like like scent glands of a beaver, like odour beaver is the scent that you're really after. But they've been being reintroduced back into this country so especially in Wales there was a little video on that um, on that article um, about hashtag Welsh beaver everyone that's that's where it's at Um, but they're being reintroduced to try and sort of help out with the environment here so that's going to be my new excuse I'll be like it's the reintroduction of beavers sorry my internet's just really slow I don't want to do this gig (laughs) is that why we can't roll out broadband into some areas of the country because some areas are too what sheep are nibbling away at the cables or some weird is that what's happening they need to stop making these internet cables out of Colin the caterpillar cakes is what I think (laughs) (laughs) deep fry the internet cables 
in other animals doing wrong news. A 71-year-old woman riding with her daughter on Florida's Interstate 95 uh, suffered a head injury when a turtle smashed through the windshield of their car and smacked her in the head. The turtle was unharmed. The lady was moderately harmed uh, and her daughter called 911. Finn, uh, do you have sympathy for this terrible incident? I do. Uh, poor woman. Nature's 9-11. What a time we're living in. <laughs> ISIS have claimed responsibility. The turtle was radicalised at a swamp. Also, the video I watched said that the uh, turtle was not all right and that it had to have a leg removed and then oh, sadly has died since. So the article said turtle was fine. Then I watched the video because I thought, well, I hope someone filmed this. Yeah. How I spend my days is hoping someone's filmed an animal doing something wacky. Yeah. And it said, oh, yeah, turtle. The guy, the woman was fine, but the turtle lost a leg and has since died. Oh, that's very sad because I was trusting the article. Yeah, real disconnect. I also looked at that because it had a proper clickbait image on the video of the turtle sort of half stuffed in the windshield, which seems brutal. But I guess that's how it works. Clickbait. It worked. I watched the video. When I was uh, about about 10 years ago, in the early days of my stand up career, I was on a megabus from Cardiff to London and a pheasant flew through the windshield and hit a woman that was sat at the front of the uh, front of the bus and we had to pull over and we had to we had to get loaded onto passing mega mega buy mega buy what's the plural <laughs> that's such a posh bird for a mega bus as well pheasant i know i got, I got hit by a pheasant on the mega bus <laughs> i know real class class war isn't it from above <laughs> At sort of uh, upper class drone strikes, <laughs> but I have a lot of sympathy because it was it was fairly brutal. I mean, that does sound pretty brutal. Was the lady all right? I've no idea, Alice. It was ten years ago, um, <laughs> but uh, I, just, I, I just got on the next bus. Didn't think about it. <laughs> ten years ago, before you developed empathy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Pheasant in the face will really slow you down. But I think the article was misleading. They kept kind of talking about like how this flying turtle. I was like, the turtle wasn't flying. Like it had been clipped and was therefore moving through the air. They made it sound like it had wings. Sorry, when you say the turtle was clipped, that implies that it was already moving at at quite a large, quite good speed. But but obviously this this is a turtle, isn't it? You know, (laughs) famous, if anything, for moving quite. I think if you clip a turtle, it, it doesn't really do anything. So I, I, I think something's amiss here. I think maybe there was some mm. kind of launch dropkick. Conspiracy. It's giving more sort of discus vibes, isn't it? Like that someone... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I assumed drops. How do you get... How does a turtle get big air? Well, the eagles will drop them to try and crack them open. That's a thing. What? The predatory what? birds will, will drop, drop a turtle from quite a high height. That's what I assumed had happened. I didn't realise that it had been clipped. But if we flip over the page of the magazine, we can see an extensive diagram showing how the turtle achieved this high velocity fin. So that might enlighten you a little bit. In other animals out of place news, also in Florida, a facility called the Blue House, which opened last year for what it's ominously calling its first phase, intends to be the world's largest land-based fish farm. Uh, very much in the way in which I'm the world's premier female alternate universe satirical comedian. This fish farm has refrigerated tanks in which farmed salmon thrash about for the whole of their deeply disoriented lives, protected from the searing desert heat before they're murdered by the biggest bear of all people. Charlie George, uh, what have you got to say about this salmon situation? I mean, Florida is really appearing a lot in the news, is my first point. I was just like, classic Florida craziness. But then it actually does have roots in, like, um, Norway, and they're basically taking these kind of cold cold water fish and putting them in an air-conditioned room in Florida. It's, it, it's 
basically a giant washing machine of fish on a permanent spin cycle and I feel very upset about it it's concerning me and then and then the guy when he was talking about it he was just like when we started exploring the concept of a land-based indoor aquaculture that's what they're calling it people thought we were crazy and I was just like yeah I think they would um he's like no one would recognize that raising salmon on land would ever become financially viable (laughs) or doable and I love that financially viable was first you know just so that we're all clear but basically they kind of go round and round in a circle in this cold room um and it all kind of sounds like the point of it is that they would save money and there is this thing about it being a closed loop system so basically they don't but they don't get kind of diseases in the water and so that was kind of one of the positives that these guys were talking about about it is that the fish don't get diseases so they don't have to inject them with pesticides and antibiotics but then you read a little bit further (laughs) and find out that actually um workers and other people in the facility have gone to hospital because of the release of an unknown gas i like to think that the fish are emitting f- you fumes <laughs> and they're just like stop this now um but yeah yeah i mean this is classic frankenstein's monster situation where we are meddling with what man what not of ought to um and uh, the, the the outcomes are unpredictable as ever i just think James Bond has never been more relevant or needed because the environmental (laughs) leaders of the world are just Bond villains. Farming fish in a desert is the plot of a 70s Roger Moore film. (laughs) You have to go out and stop some German maniac from growing fish. Obviously, whenever anyone tries to do anything with, with farming, animal rights people get involved. I've got a quote here. Petter's director of vegan corporate projects. Lovely to see vegan corporate projects just spelled out like that. (laughs) Fish are not fish fingers with fins waiting to be cut apart, but feeling, thinking individuals capable of joy and pain. The truth is uh, they don't have eyebrows, so (laughs) I can't care about something that doesn't have an eyebrow. (laughs) Oh, I wouldn't watch RuPaul's Drag Race then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the lovable queens. Your ad section now, because of without the vicious acquisitiveness that lifts us above animal kind, how will we ever know the actualised selfhood brought to being by the ownership of a handbag or some shit? This week's episode is sponsored by the groundbreaking autobiography of a sports star, ghostwritten by a talented but unsuccessful professional writer and then not paid for, so released with the sports star's name, image and identifying details redacted. Want a few generic anecdotes from a sepia-toned childhood? A story about the importance of grit? Some fun boys on a night out revelations that stop short of confessing to any one of the several crimes and misdemeanours of which this anonymous star has probably been accused? Of course you do. Get the groundbreaking autobiography of a sports star, ghostwritten by a talented but unsuccessful professional writer and then not paid for, so released with the sports star's name, image and identifying details redacted. Available now from all participating bookstores. And as a bonus edition, if you buy it, uh, The Hunter's Guide to Thirst Traps, Humble Brags and Horrifying Flexes that Make Everyone Hate Follow You Until Your Capacity to Distinguish Negative Attention from Popularity Evaporates Completely and You Find Yourself Posting a Three-Image Screen Crap Notes Apology Bonus with Every Purchase of the groundbreaking autobiography of a sports star ghostwritten by a talented but unsuccessful professional writer and then not paid for, so released with the sports star's name, image and identifying details redacted. Out now. And do you not have many sorrows? Half a glass of water, the perfect amount of water to drown not very many sorrows. Available now wherever mild sadness is felt. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now it's time for section two, explosive section, explosive news. The first story in this section is a gender reveal explosion, as every week we seem to find a bigger and worse way of announcing that your child has a penis. In this instance, it's in New Hampshire. Charlie George, you look boggled. My God, do you know when the moon was pink, I thought this better not be a f***ing gender reveal. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was at that level because the more and more you're hearing about this shit, it's crazy. Basically, there was this family, they thought a quarry would be the safest spot to light the explosive classic, first line thought. Um, and what, I, what they chose like over-the-counter target firearms practice level explosives. <laughs> it's like... How much do you care that you're having a boy that you're like, the response to that is we must explode stuff. Like I just, I can't make the connection in my mind. But what I found insane and really funny about it is just like the residents were like, I'm up for silliness, but you know, some pictures fell off our walls. We've actually got cracks in the foundation of our home now. (laughs) That's the line. The line is an actual crack in the foundations of our homes. But yeah, it it went a bit mad. I mean, I keep imagining the dad. So apparently like the person who bought and detonated these explosives, he did end up turning himself into the police. And they saw a video and they could confirm that the child was a boy. Unlike most uh, violent criminals in America who end, them, end up turning themselves into the police. Into, yeah, I love that. Sorry, that, was, um, that, was a bit, that was a bit too satirical for a pull-up <laughs> magazine, Alice. I think that was a bit too sharp. Sorry. That was uh, real, remind, real reminding me of politics. some bad things in the world. Yes, no politics. Please, thank this. you. Di- di- digital horses, please. <laughs> thank not, you. Not, not, not police violence. Glossy magazine, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> keep the sheen. But yeah, I just keep imagining this dad turning himself in and he's like weeping and he's like in the, in, in the interview room and they're like, what were you thinking? He was like, I just wanted to do something special for my son. I just wanted mm-hmm. to explode something. And it's just like, it's is that what being a good dad is? Is that what a son would look up to? I'm like, you know, there's other options. You know, you can like take him fishing when he's a grown up or like talk to him about his feelings. You don't have to like light a massive fire in a quarry. Um, <laughs> well, it's also it's, it's, it's an incredibly loud way to announce that your child has a very small penis. In this instance, it was a boy. <laughs> But it sort of seems like an. Expression. We don't know. We don't know how small the. We don't know how small the child's dick was. I mean, it has right, to be not, very small. It's in utero. Let's not. We don't know. You never know. <laughs> that is the problem about gender reveals in quarries with massive explosions. Is it puts a lot of pressure on that child to be vaguely interesting. Uh, I mean, what if they come out and it's just really dull? And the highlight of their personality was an explosive flare being let off <laughs> after they were five months old, in the womb. This trend of explosive gender reveals is making me reevaluate every major conflict I've uh, witnessed uh, globally. 
I think perhaps the Syrian crisis has its, its root to misunderstanding <laughs> and that Bashar al-Assad's wife had just come back from a 20 week scan and wanted to share the good news. <laughs> uh, I think perhaps we've totally misread every ominous dictator. I feel like the devastating understory of this is that by the time your uh, your uh, fetus is old enough to know uh, what, what the sex is going to be, uh, it's old enough to hear things that are happening outside of the womb. So all of these little... Uh, proto children are going to know know what assholes their parents are before they're even born <laughs> i just started i got into like a wormhole looking at other ones because i was so like i couldn't believe this phenomena was a thing and then i and then you kind of start to reveal like realize oh it's caused these fires people have actually died like two people were killed in a plane crash in the caribbean whilst carrying a trailing sign that read it's a girl and then it's like it should have had at the end no way it's an orphan like this is bad this is really <laughs> bad like and people are always talking about how dangerous trans people are like what's the f- about these people you're more afraid of a hypothetical bathroom situation than actual explosives being set off in the name of gender like why is no one talking about that i mean most most fetuses only kill their twin in utero and these these little ones are racking up a body count pre-birth it would be especially satisfying if that little boy grew up to be transgender just because of the amount of investment <laughs> yes, their parents yes. had made in announcing it was a boy well you know there was one i think there was a woman she said that basically she'd gone to this really intense effort and um basically now yeah now her child is questioning their gender and wants to be non-binary it's like ha (laughs) that was the woman i think who basically started the trend she started the kind of 10 years ago she wrote a blog about gender reveal parties and they became sort of a thing and now she's got children that are real they're like mum please please don't do that that's a lot of it's a lot of expectation to put on a young mind this is the thing i think for everybody and maybe we shouldn't talk about this but i think for everyone gender is like a massively confusing thing and the only way to make it more massively confusing is to talk about it at all times which is what i imagine this woman did to her children who then began to like you know it's like when you say the word tree too many times it starts to make no sense at all if you start to you know think too much about what it is to be a man or a woman the whole thing collapses fairly quickly yeah, I mean, uh, we're actually, uh, my wife's pregnant at the moment. We were, we were trying to work out whether we wanted to know the sex. And I think we, we decided we wanted to know, not not because of, you know, outdated, not because we wanted to paint the nursery pink or anything like that, but just obviously it'd be good to know if we were having a girl, we'd have to keep trying until she gave me a male area, the bloodline was secure. <laughs> you know, we're quite progressive people at heart. Oh. For our gender reveal, we just, um, we just did a WhatsApp, WhatsApp thread. That's what we did. Oh. Just went, by the way, having a go so uh that's it set fire to nothing but that was mainly because of covid restrictions i would like to have set fire to something (laughs) yeah i agree if you overthink it it's like looking at your face too long in a mirror like because i've always been someone who feels like i think if i'd grew up with more of the lingo and i felt more secure in other areas of my fluidity i would probably be more non-binary because i think my my um gender adjective preference would be feral rather than than male or female it would just be feral Um, my nickname growing up was actually Charlie the Barbarian and I grew up in a single white parent household so the racial connotations of that are not great it's it's true it's true Well, this gender reveal story was suggested to us by Mildly Interested at mild under dash interest on Twitter. If you have a story that you would like to send in to the gargle, uh, tweet us using our 
Twitter handle, which is at HelloGarglers. And that's all the time we have for section two, because now it's time for our reviews section. Our guests today have brought in their reviews out of five stars. Charlie, what have you brought in for us today? I'm reviewing Hot Nuts in Haringey, Greenlands. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, Ben. Uh, hot Nuts in Haringey, Greenlands. It's a shop that exclusively sells hot nuts. Not warm nuts, not room temperature nuts, not cold nuts. What are you, an animal? This is Hot Nuts. Uh, it might be a front for money laundering, but my God, does it smell amazing. <laughs> There's a chocolate fountain out front that I'm pretty sure has never been cleaned. It has a picture on it of a white woman who is advertising the beauty of the fountain in a full Cadbury's face. Is it problematic? I don't know. I was too busy drooling. I love it so much. They have every single type of nut you could ever need and several you can't even fathom. Um, They're currently looking for staff. I actually thought about applying for a job there, but it turns out only men can apply for the job because the uniform is really similar to Hooters in America. Um, Basically, you have to have your nuts (laughs) hanging out and you wear these like Y-front briefs with a picture of a Himalayan snowcock on the front, which actually, Finn, is a type of pheasant that can't avert, avert its gaze from a nearby nut Um, I'm going to give it four stars Uh, it would have been five but hygiene suspicions and potential criminal activity took it down Um, I highly recommend Hot Nuts in Haringey Greenlands if you're in the area Excellent and uh, Finn Taylor what have you brought in for us? Uh... Well, seeing as cinemas are closed, um, the only film I can review was the 20-week ultrasound scan that my wife and I went to the other week. (laughs) So, picture quality was exceptional, arguably too exceptional. I saw the child's spine. The baby itself was uh, wriggly, a little bit too wriggly, I'd say, showboating quite (laughs) its its range of movement. Uh, The gender reveal was very underplayed. The doctor said... Do you want to know the sex? We said, yes. They said, it's a girl. And I said, how can you tell? And they said, can't see a penis. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I would have thought it was more advanced than that. The cameraman was starting out as, as skilled, uh, very clearly trained in, in this sort of uh, ultrasound DOP. Uh, he then said a comment that I took to be inappropriate. He said that he liked the look of my daughter's kidneys. I said, that's a bit much, mate. He insisted he was talking in medical sense. I said, bloody hell, women are never safe from leeches like you. The atmosphere soured, but ultimately the baby's developing well. Three on five. And that's the review section for this week. Now it's time for our third section of the magazine. This is our Things in the Wrong Place section, which arguably many of our previous stories could have fitted into. Uh, This is about space junk. Uh, in which many satellites, defunct pieces of technology and pieces of spaceship are orbiting the Earth in increasingly uh, large numbers, creating both dangers and eyesores for space. There's belts of debris circulating the Earth, presumably defending us from aliens, uh, but also causing trouble of all kinds. Uh, Finn Taylor, are you interested in this space junk? Yeah, I think um, I think it's unavoidable. I think much like that continent, continent-sized pile of rubbish that's in the Pacific, I think we just got to get it all in one place. I think we should turn the moon into landfill. The last time I visited <laughs> my parents, my my dad's lockdown project uh, has been to kind of organise his waste disposable, uh, sort of categorise it. He's now got eight bins. <laughs> so I was thinking you'd turn all the planet. You turn all the planets into um, site-specific waste disposal. So Mars is your recycling because we we, can, we know we can get there and back. <laughs> Uranus is food waste. Obs. Obs. Uh, Jupiter yes. is big. Uh, so that's like a sort of skip for old garden furniture. 
and then I'd say Pluto is like batteries and shit, electronics, <laughs> fridges, that kind of thing. All the, all the stuff that you sort of don't really know if you can throw away, but you can't be bothered to sort of keep in a drawer, so you just put it in the bin anyway and just don't think about it. Just like how Pluto may or may not be a planet, I think that is a, a, a genius plan, uh, Finn Taylor. I think also in Elon Musk's visualised future in which uh, humanity has access to the stars and you can buy your way into space by promising to do jobs uh, that doesn't sound like horrifying indentured servitude of the future at all, I feel that there will be people who are collecting space junk for 10 cents a pop in not too far from now. Yeah, it'll be like uh, Glastonbury where you get a free ticket if you pick up litter after it's finished. <laughs> you get to go to space as long as you clean the place up on your, on your way yep. into re-entry. Yeah, exactly. Or just take the junk further away. Kick the can down the road, literally and metaphorically, uh, what humanity is best at doing. A man stands accused of performing a sex act on himself outside uh, a football stadium during the Rangers title celebrations. Uh, Charlie, have you been following this penis? Yeah, so this guy, he, he apparently performed a sex act on himself outside Ibrox Stadium at the Rangers title celebrations. I think he's, you know, he's so overcome by the unlikely prospect of a Rangers win. You told me to <laughs> not say things like this so that I wouldn't get attacked on social media while I'm going for it. That <laughs> um, he decided to come. He was so overcome. But yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I, th I just think it's just a weird moment that you'd be so overexcited that you wouldn't mind. Maybe that's something that he gets off on, on being around that amount of people and that kind of energy, like the roar of the crowd. Like, you just think, like, oh, this will be the moment. But I just want to know what people's reactions were. Like, that's what I feel about this story is, like, what did they do about it? Like, did they just get their cameras out? Did they run and scream? Was it gross? Was it weird? Like, I mean, as somebody who has been exposed to men masturbating in public, uh, you have three reactions. The first one is... Is he? And the second one is, oh, he is. And the third one is, ugh. <laughs> okay, cool. That's the timeline. Scale of gross. Okay, good, good, good to know that. Good to know that, Alice. <laughs> thanks for the, uh, thanks for letting me know. I thought the, the main part of this story was that the trial has been fixed for October by Sheriff Gerard Boner. And if that's not <laughs> cosmic justice. Oh, yeah. Amazing. But also, the, right, because it's all very ambiguous, isn't it? He says he, he, he was performing a sex act on himself. <laughs> now, that could just be legal speak for masturbation, but <laughs> performing a sex act on yourself, in my head, he's he's done the old... Do you think he's trying to reach, he's really trying to reach with his mouth? Yeah, and if he's done that, <laughs> I think, I think let the man blow. <laughs> I think if you can't suck yourself off in a car park <laughs> out, after your team, after your team that was relegated four divisions in a go after financial difficulties has come back and won the league... I don't know what this country is coming to. If they can do that, my ribs can bend. I remember when England won the World Cup in 66, there were people all over Wembley Way wanking themselves silly. The Queen was there. Prince Philip was there. <laughs> he even looked old then, Prince Philip. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not it's not the right reaction, even, even in your own home. Yeah, you don't want to encourage that for every unexpected win you start performing a sex act on yourself. Because it's like, there's going to be times where it's like, yeah, what, what, like when you, um, I don't know, when you get your trash in the bin, when you throw one, like something, you're just going to, you're going to do it then. You're going to wear yourself out for practical, energetic reasons. Also, I think I, I may be wrong on this, but I have a feeling that Rangers won the title even though they hadn't played that week. I think it was because someone else lost, which <laughs> makes it even sadder in that you've not even watched your team play. You've just other results have gone your way and then you've started sucking yourself off in the car park. <laughs>
It's a new level of devotion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, next level. I think you've made a good point here, uh, which is the definition of sex act. If the internet has taught us nothing else, it is that there is an incredibly wide range of things that can be considered arousing or uh, sexual by uh, the quirks in human nature. So it's possible this man was doing something entirely harmless that somebody else read as very sexual. Let's not kink shame the man. Could have just been eating a burger. You don't know. Yeah, licking an armpit, that must be a thing. (laughs) It is now. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) That story came in from Neil or at Pokey Lattice on Twitter. That brings us to the end of today's show. We'll flip through the classified section at the end if anyone wants to buy a donkey lightly used. Uh, They're available here. An above-ground pool heavily used, question mark, question mark. Uh, Charlie George, have you got anything to plug? I am doing a work-in-progress show with two other female comedians at Top Secret on the 19th of July, Top Secret Comedy Club in real life in London. And you can find out more info if you follow me online at CG Does Comedy on Twitter and at Charlie George Comedy on Instagram and Facebook. Excellent. Flipping through, there are some birds for sale. Uh, unspecified what species or where to get them, but just some birds for sale. And uh, Finn Taylor, have you got anything to plug? Yes, COVID dependent, I'm going on tour this autumn, an actual tour. Leicester, Cambridge, Shrewsbury, Peterborough, Birmingham, Nottingham, Westfield, Brighton, Cardiff, Dorking, Salford, Sheffield, Leeds, Banbury, Bristol, Newcastle, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Belfast, Liverpool, at Finn Taylor Comedy. Come out and see real live comedy in the flesh. I will fingers crossed against all of the variants for you, Finn Taylor. Thank I'm you. I'm doing a tour in the uh, autumn, I think, uh, if that happens and if I'm allowed to leave Australia. Still illegal to leave Australia, uh, but it's fine here, so, you know, you can't complain too much. I'm Alice Fraser. Find me online at, at Alliterative on Twitter and Instagram. That's A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. Or support all of my work on patreon.com slash Fraser, where you can find my stand-up specials, other podcasts, blogs, and my weekly Tea with Alice salons. This show is edited by Ped Hunter. It is produced by Chris Skinner. It is an Alice Fraser and the Beagle Podcasts production. We will be back next week with more from The Gargle. Thank you for listening. Bye. You can listen to other programmes from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. 